0: Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Chris Brown. For more information on our church, visit c3church.narara.net. So, um, yeah, we've been doing this series throughout this month on glorifying God with our finances. And uh, we've heard uh, earlier in the month about um, the attitude of stewardship because uh, that's going to bring glory to God to, to honour and remember and realise that everything we have is his ultimately. Do you remember we talked about that? It's that we're stewards or managers of everything that comes into our hands. It's not ours to keep. Um, and then we talked about generosity and tithing and giving. And that glorifies God. And then last week, Zach talked about faith and uh i heard it was fantastic as um uh, did you know that Zach? did you know that i heard that it was good you 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 passed very good yeah um and so uh i'm assuming he talked along the lines of uh trusting in god for uh, provision and and believing for blessing um and i just want to stay on this theme as i said we we were going to have a guest uh today and so that's in a sense those three message were that that series that we had organized but I want to talk about the laws of sowing and reaping and we uh, to look at two passages from the New Testament 2nd Corinthians 9 we'll look at firstly then we'll go to Galatians so I'm going to read a few verses from 2 Corinthians 9 starting at verse 6 and it says whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly whoever sows bountifully or generously will also reap bountifully this is the English Standard Version ESV that I'm reading from and so right there it starts talking about sowing and reaping each one verse 7 each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver I just want to stop there And say, as I've said many times, that's one of our core values as a church. I love generosity, but I hate the idea that people feel pressured or under compulsion. God wants us to be cheerful in our giving and he wants us to decide what we give in our own heart. When we talk about giving, we get excited about, you know, building funds and all that. Don't want anyone, especially if you're visiting, get the feeling that there's some kind of pressure deal going on. It's totally individual free will. Verse 8, God's able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work. I mean, that verse you could preach on that verse for a year. You need to memorise and live out of that verse. That is, I've got to stop myself from just wanting to get deep into that because that is just so rich. Can you hear that? God is good. God is good. I loved what Ruth did at the beginning of the service and just said, Just look to God and think of a word or some words that describe him. Focus on him. And the word is great because it keeps reminding us of who God is. And right there he's saying, look how good he is. He makes grace, all grace abound to you. You've got everything you need. Come on. Why? So you can abound in every good work. So there's purpose in blessing. As it is written, he's distributed freely. He has given to the poor the righteousness. His righteousness endures forever. but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Now, we'll come back to a couple of those points. Just want to notice here, verse 11, the purpose of prosperity. And that's another catch cry, I guess, that we've used over the years. I believe in prosperity. But that doesn't mean you have to have, you know, a a silly, outrageous lifestyle that's disconnected from people and living off all your wealth just for your own sake. I believe in prosperity with a purpose. And it's a God-given word. It's it's a good direct translation of some Hebrew and Greek, r- Greek words into English. Prosperity isn't a bad American weird kind of thing that some people get thingy about. Right there. God wants us to be enriched in every way. But notice it says to be generous in every way. So there's the blessed to be a blessing concept. Prosperity with a purpose. So there's no problems having money as long as money doesn't have you. It's just a good tool that we use and we don't let it control us, but it builds God's church, it blesses others, okay? So we stay generous with it. Now, let's go to Galatians chapter 6. And this is also a well-known passage, talks about sowing and reaping. Verse 7 says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So both these passages talk about sowing and reaping. The context in the first passage is very much about financial and material gifts and giving and offerings into the ministry. The context of the second one is more broad. He's talking about how we live our lives in general. He's talking about sowing into the flesh, sowing into the spirit. But the concepts are the same. And both talk about some reward that comes from our giving, some result that comes from our sowing, the harvest that is produced when we plant seed, Um, whether it's giving money or whether it's giving time or effort in, in doing good things. Like that last verse talks about, don't grow weary in doing good You'll reap because you're doing good. So it's not just about money, though that's been our focus for this month, but it applies to whole different areas of our life. Really important to understand that we're both recipients of God's grace, but we're also makers of our own destiny. And so you could go to one of these two extremes and you could have a very fatalistic view of your life as a Christian and just say, oh, well, God will do whatever he wants to do and I guess I'm saved and that's nice because he's so gracious and I've really, there's not much I can, I'm just going to get along, go along for whatever ride comes. Then you've got over here a view that uh, it's also incorrect to just say I'm totally in control and, uh, and God, I'll let him along for the ride. Hopefully, you know, as a Christian I might, you know, allow him to save me but I'm really, you know calling all the shots. But the the reality is, uh, you know, for a good, healthy Christian life, there's going to be a constant interplay between, on one hand, receiving from God what we don't deserve through his mercy and grace, but on the other hand, taking up responsibility for how our life is playing out. And so Jesus has given us this wonderful way to be saved, to be healed, to be Blessed and guided in life and strong in spirit And and happy and healthy and a blessing to others Living with purpose But that doesn't happen automatically Because you can go to heaven sick, poor and miserable Just holding on to your ticket to heaven Leaning on God's grace Of course that's not God's will So you can also be heading to heaven as he wants us to, uh, healthy and prosperous, happy and, you know, a great blessing to many people. And the difference between those two is totally up to us. Jesus has done all that is needed. And so we've got to take responsibility for our lives, how we think and how we act, how we uh, uh, develop habits and attitudes and the actions and behaviours that we take, um, we, we do. And um, in other words... That's all what we sow into our life and into the world around us. Um, And as we've read just there in that uh, verse 7 of Galatians 6, it says, God is not mocked. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, he'll also reap. In other words, this is a law. God set this in place in the universe and in our lives There's nothing you can do to change it. It's going to happen. Whatever you sow, whatever you do, whatever you think, whatever you say, there's going to be a result. And I remember a little bit about science in high school. Sadly, not a lot. But I do remember talk about uh, a hypothesis. Remember that? Remember the word? I don't know what it means. I remember the word. Uh, A theory. Now, you know, Chris... uh, Britain, science teacher here, uh, Luke Brown, science student, uh, other scientifically minded people can affirm what I'm about to commit to. But, uh, you know, we got a, a theory, that's someone's idea of how something might happen. A principle, I remember that one, that was an understanding of how things usually happen. But I remember a law was something that I think you could define as something like an occurrence in nature. That is always true, without exception. Scientists, so I got one thumbs up. Oh, I'm, I'm running with that. I'm good. I'm home. Right? We're not going anywhere. Chris shrugged his shoulders. Oh no, there's more to it. But uh, yeah, there's always some science show off, really. I don't know. But uh, I'm running with that. That uh, you know, a law occurs without exception. It's always true. Laws of gravity, you know, there are physical laws in the world around us. Well, this law you would say is more of a spiritual law. Um, It's not always observable physically or straight away, but it does happen. It does get proven as you go through life. And you can break it down, and I want to do that and look at three laws of the harvest that apply to our giving and our living in general. And the first one is. You only reap when you sow. Pretty obvious, but the point here is that we have to take responsibility for what we're sowing. Because let's face it, everyone wants to live a blessed life, but not everyone is sowing the right seeds to reap a blessed life. Some people are waiting around for a harvest to somehow miraculously occur without ever thinking about the responsibility needed in planting a seed to produce the harvest. So last week we were up in Townsville and oh, it was warm up there. Um, <laughs> Aaron comes from Townsville. Well, you live there. You live there for a long time, but all right. You live there for. I thought it was longer than that. Okay. Aaron once visited Townsville. Anyway. Um, Townsville, look, at this time of year at least, it's awesome. They say it's stinking hot, terribly oppressively, you know, humid and all that at Christmas time, but we enjoyed the weather. And as we drove around out of town, we saw all the cane fields. And of course it's the beginning of uh, the harvest time there So you've got different fields, different sizes and in different states You've got some that have just been harvested And there's just ploughed ground left empty There's some that have been harvested And they've already got the shoots in coming up for the next harvest And then you've got some tall fields that are ready for harvest And you drive around you notice all this sugar cane and all the different And you think about the farmers, you know, working around there All of them have got one common denominator. There's no sugar farm farmer sitting at home counting his money or his sugar cubes or whatever uh, without having worked for it, without having sown and then see it grown to a point of harvest. They've all been out there in the heat, sowing, growing and then harvesting. They all know that they've got to do something in order to get a harvest, in order to pay the bills, in order to get on. And they're not just sitting around hoping they'd get a harvest and they're thinking, well, if I had a harvest, then I'd sow some shoots that are left from the harvest to plant again. No, no, they've got to start with the the seeds. Uh, and it's the same for us. We all want to reap well, but we've got to sow well first. And, of course, a seed only achieves its potential when you sow it, when you give it away and this is the point when you do that you lose control it's no longer in your hand there's this act of faith so you know you're putting your faith in forces beyond your control for the farmer putting a seed in the ground it's gone he's left it in the soil and now he's trusting whatever nutrients are in the soil whatever climatic conditions are going to come to produce the rain and the sunshine to make it all happen. He can't make it happen now. He had to do something, but he had to trust for something else to do something. And so for us, we've got to be able to plant the seed. You get to decide what you're going to do. And if you plant it in a good soil, that's a good start. And then you trust God to oversee the conditions to produce a good harvest. So we've got to decide what we're going to do. You can withhold the seed. You can eat the seed. There's some nutritional value in seed, but not as much as if you plant it and produce and see a harvest. But it's all up to us. And, of course, the exciting thing is God moves on whatever we put into his hands, not just tithes and offerings, but everything, our whole lives. And, you know, for business people, this is really exciting because uh, they can – they can build a bigger, better business in w- with God's hands on it and, and God's help than if they just did it on their own. And I, I read about a guy that exemplifies this. Um, recently, I read about Anthony Rossi. Now, um, not Valentino, it, it's his great-great-grandfather. Uh, I'm joking, it's nothing. no relation to Valentino. If you don't know who Valentino Rossi is, you need to get a life uh and and uh sorry i didn't say that i've just come back from holidays um he's a motorcyclist um okay so anthony rossi um we may not have heard of him here but in the us many people would know him as the founder of the tropicana company became one of the largest orange juice companies in the world but his story is really inspiring he came um from italy as an immigrant to america in the early uh, part of the 20th century. He had no English, no connections, no formal education, but his life took a good turn when he was befriended by this young Christian couple who took him to church. And there he heard the gospel. He'd been brought up in a very traditional church in Italy, but didn't really hear the good news of Jesus clearly explained. But he heard it in church and he got born again. And then one Sunday in church, he prayed this prayer. He said, Lord, if you give me an idea for a business, I will be faithful to give you a portion of everything I make back to your work. And that same day, an idea popped into his head. Freshly squeezed orange juice. And he just got all excited about it. So he started this company, Tropicana. He started with local orange juice deliveries, but he was looking for a way to preserve the juice so it could be distributed further. Again, he prayed and God gave him an idea, gave him the what became the patent for a pasteurization process that meant orange juice could be stored and shipped without refrigeration, which, of course, you get in your local supermarket. You get juice, you by dates, months and months and months. You get juice off your tree, squeeze it, put it in a glass. You will not want to drink it in three weeks, right? So that's, it's preserved. And so um, he prayed again. He then got a, a method for freezing big quantities of juice for uh, widespread, spread deliveries. His company eventually, you know, earned millions and millions of dollars, employed over eight thousand employees all over America. But what's really is inspire, inspiring is that he is his pledge to God about giving. Because he gave regularly throughout his life, not just 10% as a tithe, but more than 50% of his income to God's work. And he built uh, missions, he visited his home back in Sicily every year and built a church there, the mission station. He spent millions of dollars building a um, a complex in Florida for retired missionaries. And he lived this fantastic generous life he was named one of the top 10 most generous living americans at that time in the 1970s or 80s he died uh, at the ripe old age of 93 having lived to glorify god through his business and his generosity and you know in our own way with our own resources with our own physical financial but also cognitive ideas you know thought resources we're all responsible for what we are giving. In other words, how we're sowing our seed. So decide to be a good farmer and realise, yeah, I will get a return if and when I sow. The second law of the harvest is obvious. You reap more than you sow. So in agriculture, of course, one seed produces a fruit or a vegetable, but in that fruit or vegetable, there's more seeds. So an apple got about 10 seeds, they reckon. A pumpkin's got about 500 a, um, a cob or an ear of corn has on average 800 kernels or seeds that are then planted. And you think how quickly this can grow exponentially because you get each one of those 800 planted to produce in turn another ear that produces another 800 and goes on and on. And so the sowing and the harvesting produces incredible amount. And the same principle applies to what we give. Look again at Second Corinthians 9 verse 10. It says, um, He who supplies seed to the sower. See, you can never say, I've got nothing to work with. I've got no means to be blessed because God's always given us some seed, something we can do. He supplied you with seed. There's potential for greatness in our lives. He supplies seed to the sower. Bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So notice here, as I said, God's given us the seed when we sow it, he makes sure that it's multiplied, just as a farmer would see in the physical realm. But look, it's not just the quantity of a harvest that we produce, it's also the quality, the diversity, the kind of harvest. because if you look um, look at verse the next couple of verses, look at uh, verse 11 and 12 in second Corinthians nine. It says you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So here's Paul writing to one church saying thank you for your gift. Please give financially. And I'm distributing that to different churches and church planting operations that I'm involved in. And these people are really encouraged and they're overflowing with thanksgiving to God because they're like, wow, we really needed this and God's come through via these people we've never met. But Paul's rocked up on a ship and saying, here's some money for the church plant. And we've just prayed. And how many stories have you ever read when you read Christian biographies of someone who at the 11th hour needed Four pound and threepence, or whatever, in 1762, and there's William Carey praying, or Hudson Taylor, or George Mueller, and at the last minute, it comes in four pound and threepence to the penny, you know. And so many stories, and maybe in your own life, you've had exactly the right amount at just the right time. And so, and what do you do? You don't go, "Eh, Yeah, as uh, expected, thanks God, whatever. No, you go, Oh, there is a God, wow, your faith is built, you're encouraged. And so one of the results of our giving is, you know, uh, not just for our harvest but in other people's lives. So you sow materially or financially, you'll reap materially but so will others and you'll reap a sense of satisfaction in being involved, in giving to whatever you're giving to and others will be blessed. Their faith will lift, They're, they'll be encouraged. And, um, and so there's a lot of recipients of blessing when we give, when we sow. We've seen this in different areas over the years. We had a season a long time ago, um, was all about cars. Because again, not just money, but sometimes you might sow, you know, you might want to give someone a, a watch or clothing or a, a gift of some kind. And we were going to go to Russia uh, in the early 90s and we had a car that we could have sold. But let's face it, it, It wasn't the best car, Ned. Do you remember Ned? Um, It was all right. It was a Sigma. Remember Mitsubishi Sigmas? They didn't have a great rep. Anyone that ever had a Sigma, you wish you probably hadn't bought a Sigma. But it it got around and it had the number plate NED. So obviously this was our little Ned car. And, um, And so we gave it to Pastor Simon McIntyre. Have I got that right? Really? Okay. We gave it to his daughter. I thought it was no Helen. No, no, it was a second car. Okay, one of their kids. No, no, it was Simon's wife, Helen. We gave it to one of the pastors at the church as a second car, so it was all right as a runaround second car. So we could have, you know, because we were scratching together every cent we needed, and we could have got I don't know maybe a thousand or two thousand dollars for it. But we gave it, and then um, but we needed a car when we were going to go to Russia. So I had a budget, and I had visited Russia uh, with pastors Phil and Christine, and they had done a preaching gig through America and into England and stuff and I came with them and they came with me to St. Petersburg. We spied out the land. I stayed for a few more days there, worked out what we were going to do, work with this church, got an idea of what the economy was like and finances were all pretty crazy in Russia and I came back with a budget and said, look, this is what we need to live off and I'd like $10,000 for a car because I figured we can buy a Russian brand new car for only ten grand. Um, a larder Neva was the little we had them in Australia for a while, a little four wheel drive thing, and um, the roads were so bad you needed the four wheel drive. And Pastor Phil he just said, "Oh, you'll get your car in America," and I said, oh, I'm, "I'm sorry, Pastor, I'm not preaching in America except at a youth camp. That's what right, we'd been asked to speak at a youth camp, and I figured youth they're not going to give you an offering for ten grand. Uh, you know, you get a bag of bubble gum and you know sort of and so, I, I, but he." And we had this moment, I remember, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a shy retiring person, but I'm respectful. But I was putting my best foot forward. I'm like, flip, I need the car. I was like, well, how about if I get an offering in America, I'll obviously give you back anything that comes up to the 10 grand that you're going to underwrite me with, right? So you give me the 10 grand. He's like, no, you'll get your car. Okay. So I had to sort of just suck it up. He said, Fine. sure enough, we're in America and we preach at the youth camp and we... I don't think got an offering for that. We were just hanging out in this church. And we were in this church, and we weren't preaching. It was a big church, but we were just guests because they had a sister relationship with our home church, Pastor Phil's church. So we were sitting on the stage each Sunday. We were there for about three Sundays. They had this new up-and-coming preacher no one had heard of called Joyce Meyer, who was just getting out there. And they said, you've got to come and hear this lady. And we did, and thought, wow. So, you know, we weren't competing. We were preaching with her. She was preaching, other guys. And then... um, But the week before we went, the pastor said, we've got this young couple from Australia, they're going to Russia. And of course, all the Americans were fascinated at that time. For years, they have been praying. All the Christians were praying for the Christians behind the communist bloc. You know, the Cold War was intriguing and stirring. And and they said, we're going to pray for this couple. Come out here and and these great big tough six foot ten Texans, you know, would be... Tough and big. And then they'd be crying. Oh, God, we're praying for all those commies for years. We've been praying for them. And we want them. God, send this couple, get them all saved. And, you know, and so uh, they were so stirred, you know. And uh, so we never preached a word, but the church gave us an offering. And it was 7000 US dollars, which equated to exactly 10000 Australian dollars. So, of course, I rang Phil and said, you're a man of faith, Bill. Wow. You know, he really, he just got it spot on. And so that paid for the car. And then um, we bought the car, which is a story in itself because you couldn't just go to the car shop. Like, it was just hilarious. I said to the guy's judge, right, I've got money, I want to buy a car. Hmm, okay. It's like, what's the problem? Well, you know, how do you buy a car? Where do we find one? You know? It's like, what is, well, there's factory out, you know, in Siberia. It's like, well, we're not going out there. No, it's but, you know, it's all... So there's a lot of weird corruption and how you couldn't find how to buy a car. Anyway, it's hilarious. But we got it. we finally got a car. Then when we left a couple of years later, we of course, wanted to leave the car. So we sewed the car. So we'd sown our car back in Australia. We'd reaped this car. We then sewed this car, gave it to the assistant pastors of the church, Irina Borisova, who has visited our church and son. So she and her husband and, and Dania, is around here, was a little baby a year later, and he'd been driven around in this Russian Lada Neva. and they're, um, you know, blessing people with the car. And so we'd given, and so on, and given, and re- and then we come back to Australia, and of course we're skint, we've got no car, no money, and, um, and we have got to come to start the church from the central coast, and we're in Oxford Falls, or Brookvale as it was, for one, la- one, one week. Phil's, he doesn't muck around, you know, like you're back. He says, oh, it's great to have the Browns back from Russia, they're going to the central coast, say goodbye to them. And so we were there for one Sunday. <laughs> And on that one side, he said, oh, that's right, they, they need a car. And so a young couple who'd been praying uh, how to support ministry and, you know, missionaries, whatever, they came and they gave us their little Mitsubishi cult. It was a little yellow thing and it was just perfect. It just fitted the couple of kids we had at the time. And we had another one on the way, uh, but he didn't come for a little while. Uh, nine months, I think it is, uh, and uh, and, uh, and and so we were blessed. So there's this lovely cycle going over about two or three years, uh, and then I think we gave that one away, uh, and so it, it was just cool. But you'll find uh, that kind of thing going when you're sowing, you'll be reaping. You know, and there are other people that are blessed beyond just yourself. The final law that I just want to say is that you reap later than you sow. You know, you always reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. But <laughs> this is a challenging one because farmers have to be patient. They work with the seasons, they have to wait after sowing to see the harvest. And Ecclesiastes, you know, uh, talks about there's an appointed time for everything. You know, there's a time for this, a time for that, and a time. If we're not careful when you read that, you can just get a little bit fatalistic and think, oh, God, what a, oh, wow, you know. Uh, I just But listen to Psalm 27, verse 13. I would have, des- I don't think it's on the screen, just listen. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. And so have faith in your sowing, Don't be fatalistic and think it's never going to happen and worried and stressed and give up and apathetic, but have faith that's positively waiting. The Bible says faith and patience inherit the promises. They work together. So patience is not just throwing your hands in the air and giving up and thinking it'll never happen. Patience is still on the front foot, but it's just not getting frenetic and stressed if it doesn't happen straight away. And this is why... uh, it says in uh, Galatians 6, 9, as we read earlier, Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And so we keep sowing. Patience leads to perseverance and persistence and tenacity in doing good, in sowing well. And um, we heard a testimony earlier of constant, persistent patience, sowing and giving. And the reaping that the Cherkops were talking about in their own lives, not just in their finances. So some reaping uh, will occur sooner than we think. Some reaping will occur later than we would like. Some reaping occurs long after we're gone. But there's still a blessing. It's just going to be beyond our lifetime. And particularly when we talk about our building here, we're building for the future generations I see churches in some parts of the city, and you think, "How could you ever afford that these days?" And no one can. But a hundred or two hundred years ago, people rallied the money and got the you know building up. And we're doing that here in this season. And um, one last example of how that blessing occurs for many people later on. You may know this guy Johnny Appleseed in America. You know he's a folk hero there because John Chapman was he name was his name in the early 1800s. On the western fringe of the settlements at the time, he grew up working in a cider mill and he collected all the apple seeds that he could and he had a vision that God gave him. He's a Christian guy. And so he started travelling and he went out to the west where settlers were starting to go and of course he planted all these seeds and produced apple trees and orchards and even helped people eventually run nurseries. But what it meant was that later, long after he had gone, people who were moving out west, doing it tough, trying to f- support themselves, would find these random apple trees providing sustenance for their family. Isn't that an awesome story? And many, many years later, you know, these apple trees were producing a harvest that benefited others that he never got to meet. And that's the same. Future generations are going to be blessed by the seeds that we sow these days financially as i said as we secure this property for jesus but also the seeds that we sow relationally in the lives of the people around us seeds of faith and hope and love and forgiveness and grace amen so of course the greatest sowing we can do in our lives is to plant our lives into jesus and at the end of the service i love to just wait here and if you need to Talk to me about giving your life to Christ. Or you want to pray a prayer of commitment and you want to give your life to Jesus, then I want to pray with you and come and see me afterwards. Before that, we'll finish with a song and I want you to take your offering. Remember, there's two kinds of offerings, our regular tithes and offerings. But you need to differentiate that from your pledge or your offering to the vision builders building fund and you can go and grab an envelope or if you've written your pledge card out then the guys will come in a little while and you can pop that in or you can fill it in afterwards of course you can bring a pledge next week next month for the new financial year it's just that today's significant if you want that financial um tax deduction for this financial year let me finish in prayer father we thank you uh jesus for sowing your life into ours, into our world, by coming and 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 you know, planting yourself here on earth and sowing seeds of greatness in anyone that wants to follow you. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to plant physical, financial, material seeds, but also all the spiritual uh, seeds that we can. So relational social seeds connected into other lives help us lord god to be good farmers to be aware that we're always sowing something we don't want to be just known as people who are sowing negative seeds but planting well and harvesting appropriately thank you lord god for your blessing on each one of us with this realization amen We hope you have enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c 3